0: Remembering Reinhard Bunke, he plundered hell and populated heaven. He was only 10 years old, yet already he knew what he wanted to do with his life. While many of his friends dream of becoming firemen, policemen, doctors, and the like, this small young German boy had but one burning ambition. I want to be a missionary to Africa. Reinhard Bunke was determined nothing could hoax him from his chosen path. At first, many were skeptical of his seemingly overnight decision, but even through their misgivings, no one could deny the lad's obvious dedication to his call. His desire to serve God in Africa became so overwhelming that a nickname was coined for him among his friends. They call him the Little Missionary. A confirmation many years later, 1984, in Soweto, South Africa, Kenneth and Gloria Copeland sat in a small trailer across from a now older Bonkey and his wife Annie. It was the first time they met the intense young evangelist, and suddenly the spirit of prophecy came upon Brother Copeland. <clears throat> first, Kenneth prophesied that Bonkey would one day preach a million. <clears throat> to millions, a prophecy that was fulfilled in November two thousand when during the six-day crusade, Bunky Hell in Lagos, Nigeria, six million people registered to hear the gospel preached on the final night of the meeting. One million ninety-three thousand four hundred and seventy people received salvation, documented by cards. <clears throat> well, when they shook hands to leave, the Lord spoke yet another word to Reinhardt through Brother Copeland. He said Reinhard say <clears throat> prepare there's is coming an hour when I'm going to send you back to Germany to do some things because I am going to take the Berlin Wall down and I'm going to do it miraculously and I want you to be ready with the gospel when I do. <clears throat> 5 years later the Lord made that prophecy about the Berlin Wall public when On Sunday morning, June 4, 1989, Brother Copeland stood before the congregation of Eagle Mountain International Church and prophesied the Berlin Wall will come down. Five months later, on November 9, 1989, it did. No one was allowed to preach openly in Eastern Europe one day, and suddenly all of Europe was open the next. Bunky would later recall during an interview with the Believer's Voice of Victory magazine, When our God decides it's time for change, the impossible melts before him like butter on a grill. Change is indeed what happened in the years that follow. The evangelist Reinhard Bunke, who went home to be with the Lord last December, eventually saw nearly 80 million documented decisions made for Jesus Christ through his missionary work in Africa and other parts of the world. In 2000, Bunky stood before a supernatural outpouring of 1.3 million people as they shouted, I claim my flame in Jesus' name. It was the largest gathering ever recorded in the history of a meeting held by Christ for all nations. A global evangelistic association he founded in 1994 with a heart for the continent of Africa But more was yet to come. The fulfillment of a divine connection made 16 years earlier when Brother Copeland prophesied to him. Referring to that prophecy, Bonky recalled that Brother Copeland had said to him, The day will come when you see a million people saved in one service. In those days, it didn't look like that could happen, Bonky said. We had the world's biggest tent, but it could only hold 34,000. But on November 12, 2000, the final night at the Lagos Crusade, the prophecy was fulfilled. When I read the crusade statistics, tears follow from my eyes, Bunky says. The meeting also marked Bunky's return to Nigeria after a nine year ban following a Muslim riot that killed hundreds of people. Angry at the devil for hindering God's plan in Nigeria, Bunky made a faint demand to receive a 900% return in souls for everything the devil stole during those nine years. At first, we averaged 100,000 people coming for salvation each week. Bunkie said later the weekly average jumped to a million. Population heaven. From Cape Town in South Africa to Cairo and around the world, Reinhard Bunkie and his Christ for All Nations evangelistic team have journeyed through hundreds of thousands of miles in an effort to spread the message of God. And for much of that, Kenneth Copeland Ministries has played a major role in assisting both through prayer and by helping to finance the mass evangelism campaigns put on by Bunky through Christ for All Nations. In the early years, Bunky held meetings in a tent that accommodated just 800 people. But as attendance steadily increased, larger and larger tents had to be purchased until finally, in 1984, he commissioned the construction of the world's largest mobile structure, a tent capable of seating 34,000 people. To transport this mountain of canvas and steel required the use of 19 semi-trucks, which represented a financial dilemma for Bonky who turned to his Christian colleagues around the world among the religious organizations that came to Banke's aid was KCM, which financed the purchase of two of the needed semi-trucks. Today, KCM continues to share in the last days harvest by supporting the mass evangelist campaign conducted by Christ for All Nations. Now, under the leadership of Daniel Colinda, a modern-day missionary evangelist, Colinda has led more than 21 million people to Christ face-to-face through massive open-air evangelist campaigns in some of the most dangerous, difficult, and remote locations on earth. Years ago, Reinhardt recalls during an interview, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart, Reinhardt, you are going to plunder hell and populate heaven for Calvary's sake. Ever since, Bunky has done exactly that. The only time I ever preach on Reinhardt's platform, he said. I want you to give an invitation for people to come receive the Holy Spirit. This was a long time before there was huge crowds. I never had the privilege of seeing personally one of those large, huge crowds like that, he said. He just had finished preaching about the Holy Spirit, and I gave this simple little invitation I said to the crowd. If you would like to come receive the Spirit of God speaking with other tongues, come onto the platform. I wasn't expecting a stampede. Nine thousand people rushed to the platform that night. I'm so excited that he's that he's in the arms of Jesus, but I miss him already. Yeah, this is this was Kenny Copeland reflecting on his personal ministry with Bunky and Brother Copeland's t- statements. I know a large part of the prosperity, the financial prosperity, and the tremendous financial growth of Kenny Copeland's ministry was because I had the honor of being partners with the greatest soul winner in our time and I'm thrilled. Reinhardt's homegoing is not the end, it's just the beginning. Reinhardt is not a was, he still is. He just moved, he just left town, left his body here for a few days, and moved to heaven. Reinhardt Bunky. I have read his book, uh, On Fire or something like this, it's one of the biggest books I have ever read. His life story. It's a red book, on fire, something like that. And just an amazing testimony of bombings and situations and, and some of the missionaries getting into truck accidents and dying and burning up alive with his trucks. Uh, the wind blowing, the um, civil revolt, all kinds of situations, all kinds of scary uh, life-threatening situations uh, on his life. Incredible reading. So I believe, I believe, I believe. I had Kenneth Copeland. I heard him. I saw him in in a vision, in a dream. He told me that he needs me to keep my hands clean. Um, I need for you to keep your hands clean. So I've been hanging out to that prophecy, which came to me in a dream. The dream was that uh, Kenneth Copeland had a kind of like a station wagon with an airplane uh, trailer in the back and the airplane trailer had to be assembled. And there seemed to be some military guys with, uh, you know, next to us with gear and vests and everything, black. And me and Kenneth Copeland were walking towards it and they went to disconnect the trailer and I went to put my hands on it to help out and Kenneth Copeland spoke to me. He said, I need for you to keep your hands clean. So, after that, I had stayed away from doing mechanics. I don't know if that's part of it. I stayed away from, uh, I don't know, anything that has to do with uh, mechanics, I guess. And I study the Word of God more. Study the Word of God more. Stay into the Word as opposed to staying into the mechanics side. So, that's all I can get from that. If you have anything else. Let me know. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you. Have a great day. No More Magic by Malene Henry. No More Magic. No More Magic 8-Ball. The congregation could almost hear sleigh bells ringing through the auditorium at Eagle Mountain International Church. The morning of December 16, 2018, a winter wonderland backdrop was the set stage for the annual Christmas program. David and Christy Caldillo watched eagerly as a group of children walked on stage. On the front row stood Gabriel, the second of their five children, his sweet face puckered in concentration as he sang, while his chocolate eyes sparkled with excitement. At seven years old, Gabriel was a mixture of a tender heart and a mischievous playmate to his siblings. While all the Caldillo children wiggled with excitement over Christmas, Gabriel awaited his birthday with bated breath. In just three weeks he will turn eight, and his greatest desire would be fulfilled. More than anything, Gabriel wanted to play in the water park at the Great Wolf Lodge in Grapevine, Texas. While shopping on Black Friday after Thanksgiving, his grandmother had found tickets on sale for the lodge and had snapped up a family outing there for Gabriel's birthday. One of the conditions of the sale price had been that, once purchased, the dates couldn't be changed. That was no problem. The date of Gabriel's birthday wouldn't change either. Later that afternoon, Christy let the four boys go outside to play on the trampoline while she would head fed her younger child, Catherine, at around 3.30. The peaceful afternoon was shattered by piercing cries. David ran out and found Gabriel lying down on the top of his elbow. I carried him inside and put ice on his elbow while trying to figure out what had happened. David recalls, the boys had been playing on the trampoline, which is surrounded by a net. Gabriel had kicked off his little brother Nathaniel's cap and laughed at him. Then he stepped outside the next to pick up the cap. That's when Nathaniel retaliated by knocking him off the trampoline. I left the other children home with Christian drove Gabriel to urgent care. Talking to him all the way, we teach our kids not to bully others, and that includes their siblings. I told Gabriel that since I didn't see the action he would have to describe what happened to the doctor. He was very embarrassed, but he did it. After taking the x-ray, the doctor explained that Gabriel had a dislocated bone in his elbow and a broken bone. The next day, the whole family came along as he went to Children's Hospital for treatment. Christy and the other children stayed in the waiting area while David went with his son. After putting Gabriel to sleep, the doctor moved the dislocated bone back into place. Then, because of the fracture, a cast was put on his arm. Still were sawed, slits were sawed in the cast to allow for swelling. Still groggy from the procedure, Gabriel looked at his cast and almost wept. Sheesh, I'm not going to be able to go get to the Great Wolf Lodge and get in the water now, he said. The truth revealed there had been a time when Christie wouldn't have known how to respond to that in faith. In 2013, however, a friend asked that she and David watch his house in Houston while he attended a Southern Believers Convention in Fort Worth. Watch it on television, he said. Maybe you'll see me david decided to just do that after watching the convention a while he called to christie telling her you really got to listen to this christie joined david to watch as jesse DePines was speaking some of you think we're lying when we say that we've been healed although we still have symptoms jesse said that's right Christy acknowledged god's word is true jesus continued jesse continued that truth trumps sickness therefore we speak the truth when we say that by jesus stripes we were healed we speak the truth until circumstances line up with it for the first time Christie saw the truth of what he said let me read that again some of you think we're lying when we say that we've been healed although we still have symptoms jesse said that's right Christie acknowledged God's word is true. <clears throat> Jesse continued, that truth trumps sickness. Therefore, we speak the truth when we say that by Jesus Christ, we were healed. We speak the truth until circumstance line up with it.
1: This works?
0: Yeah, try it.
1: I tried it, I don't know. <laughs> doesn't, how do you adjust the height?
0: Oh, it's got it there. Jesse continues, God's word is truth. That truth trumps sickness. Therefore, we speak the truth when we say, by Jesus Christ, we were healed. We speak the truth until circumstance line up with it. For the first time, Christy saw the truth in what he said. In our denomination, we were taught that God answers prayer with yes and no and not right now, Christy said. I struggled with that my whole whole life because I never knew what he was saying to me. When I was in middle school, I felt so desperate that I borrowed someone's magic eight ball. I said, God, I'll take the magic eight ball and flip it over. If it says yes, definitely, I know your answer. If yes, and I believe you had no idea that God's will was spelled out for us in the Bible. We never been taught that. Years later, our eldest son, Matthew, asked questions about the cross that I didn't know how to answer. Even though I'd been a Christian school teacher, I went into my room and shut the door. I said, Lord, I'd throw out everything I ever known if you'll just teach me what happened at the cross so that I'll know how to teach my kids. That was 2013, the year our friend introduced us to KCM. I wonder how Kenny Copeland would answer my son's questions. In hopes of finding out, I started watching Believer's Voice of Victory on TV. They were offering a book called, He Did It All for You. I ordered the book and read it cover to cover. I was amazed. I had no idea Jesus had done so much for us on Calvary. Soon afterwards, Creflo Dollar taught about the difference between the first and second covenants. He taught how much God loves us and how our new covenant was established on better promises. I didn't know any of that. We started listening to everyone. The Copelands mentioned, we, had, we soaked up teachings by Kenneth Hagin and Charles Caps. We received revelation after revelation. Our faith grew, and we started teaching it to our children. It changed our lives. We were living in Houston at the... Time, but we were getting fed primarily through KCM and MIC. We prayed, asking the Lord to make a way for us to move to Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. David worked as a construction administrator in the architectural business. In 2014, when they decided they wanted to move, all the big projects were in Houston. In addition, the industry had been hit hard by the earlier recession and was still recovering. David applied for work with architect- architectural firms in Dallas, but they couldn't compete with what he made in Houston. By faith, David and Christie continued praying while they packed boxes standing on Scripture. They danced around their boxes rejoicing in the fulfillment of God's plan for their lives. Then in October 2015, David was interviewed by three different architectural firms in the DFW area. Two of them wanted him and kept increasing their offers. He was hired by a firm that gave him a good salary and a $1,000 moving package. They moved to the Fort Worth area and soon after joined MEMIC. They plugged into the church, taking opportunities to serve. Their faith grew faster than their children, perfecting that which concerns us. Now, when Gabriel realized his cast would keep him from <clears throat> playing in the water park, Christy knew how to answer him. <clears throat> Gabriel, Psalms 138 8, says that he will perfect that which concerns you. Are you concerned that you won't be able to enjoy the great wolf lodge? Yes. The verse means that God loves you so much that He will make it perfect for you. How? He said. Well, one way might be for Him to give us such favor with the lodge that they change their policy and let us change the date. Another way is that God could accelerate how fast your arm heals. Which one do you want to believe for? I want my elbow healed fast, he said. Christie gathered the family. Gabriel wants to believe that God to heal his elbows so fast that he'll be able to enjoy the water park on his birthday. She said before we prayed, we got to make sure our hearts are repent, repentant and that we learn our lesson. We don't want any of, of that unresolved when we pray. The boys each repented for their part in the accident, confessed their sins, and forgave one another. Then they released their fate, asking God to accelerate Gabriel's healing process. They called Commander Jennifer Hooley at KCN, Super Kid Academy and told her about Gabriel's accidents and his fate stand. Jennifer also prayed in agreement for accelerated healing. The next day, she sent Gabriel a bouquet of cookies and a little cars representing his speedy recovery. There were a few times when Gabriel was tempted to get upset and have an attitude about his situation. When that happened, David and Christian reminded him that the joy of the Lord is our strength. You have to be happy and joyful to get that strength, Christy said. Be happy because you know God loves you and is faithful. Ten days after the accident, Gabriel went for a follow-up visit with the doctor. Today we're going to x-ray his arm to make sure everything looks good. The nurse explained, and to see how loose his cast is now that the swelling has gone down, we'll put on a new cast that's tighter so his arm will heal better. So, handed Gabriel a ring of of swatches so he could pick up the color of his next cast. After a bit, the nurse returned looking perplexed. She said, The doctor wants another set of x-rays. The healing looks significantly further along than we expected. This time, she wants x-rays without the cast in case the cast is keeping us from seeing something. The cast was removed and a second set of x-rays were taken. It confirmed that the bones were in perfect alignment. And the fracture was completely filled in. It appeared to be completely healed, but since it was only 10 days post injury, the doctor wanted to make sure Gabriel didn't re injure his elbow, so they used the bottom part of his cast as a splint for his arm. And his next appointment, one week later, another set of x rays verified once again that his arm was indeed healed. The doctor approved removing the splint. The Codillos had been told to expect six to eight weeks for his arm to be healed, and God did it in less than 18 days. Gabriel, look, Christy said as she left without his arm on a splint. God loves you so much that he even cares about your birthday. The family arrived at the Great Wolf Lodge at the appointed day without cast or sling. Gabriel used his heel elbow to swim to splash and to slide. He celebrated his birthday with the unbashed joy of someone who knows that he is beloved of God. David and Christy Cadillo have been partners with KCM for seven years. What we learned through them has changed our lives, David says. We know that we're never alone. We are connected to a ministry of believers who pray and stand with us. Amen story is on Victory Magazine for, from KCM.org. Read it online. God bless you. Uh, welcome to today's podcast. We're going to be recording a little clip, George Mueller, about under three minutes. And it's interesting, it's called Just For Today. George Mueller was, uh, he took care of children, up to 10,000, 1835. Incredible man. I'm always following his stories and it's pretty nice to see these uh, two, three minute clips. Let's go here and see what he has to say. Thank you so much for
2: listening. God bless you. Just For Today. Later on, when there were nearly 100 persons to be maintained, and the funds were reduced to about twenty pounds. Mr. Muller writes, July the twenty-second, eighteen thirty-eight. This evening, I was walking in our little garden, meditating on Hebrews thirteen, verse eight. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Whilst meditating on His unchangeable love, power, wisdom, etc and turning all as I went on into prayer, respecting myself, and whilst applying likewise his unchangeable love and power and wisdom, etc., both to my present spiritual and temporal circumstances, all at once the present need of the orphan house was brought to my mind. Immediately I was led to say to myself, Jesus in his love and power has hitherto supplied me with what I have needed for the orphans, and in the same unchangeable love and power he will provide me with what I may need for the future. A flow of joy came into my soul whilst realising thus the unchangeableness of our adorable Lord. About one minute after, a letter was brought me, enclosing a bill for twenty pounds, In it was written, Will you apply the amount of the enclosed bill to the furtherance of the objects of your scriptural knowledge society? or of your orphan establishment, or in the work and cause of our Master, in any way that he himself, on your application to him, may point out to you. It is not a great song, but it is a sufficient provision for the exigency of day to day, and it is for today's exigencies that ordinarily the Lord provides. Tomorrow, as it brings its demands, will find its supply, etc. Of this twenty pounds, I took 10 pounds for the orphan fund and 10 pounds for other objects, and was thus enabled to meet the expenses of about 34 pounds, which, in connection with the orphan house, came upon me within four days afterwards, and which I knew beforehand would come. Wow.
0: Did you hear that? Next one's waiting for help, George Mueller. <laughs> next 60 seconds, i George Miller, 1835, 1838, said he got joy. The miracle is he got joy reading the scriptures. That's the miracle. He got joy and then he got answered. First we get joy in the scriptures, then we get answers. Here's our next clip. This was called Beyond Disappointment.
2: Waiting. November the 21st, 1838. Never will we so reduced in form as us today. There was not a single halfpenny in hand between the matrons of the three houses. Nevertheless, there was a good dinner, and by managing so as to help one another with bread, etc., there was a prospect of getting over this day also. But for none of the houses had we the prospect of being able to take in bread. When I left the brethren and sisters at one o'clock, after prayer, I told them that we must wait for help and see how the Lord would deliver us this time. I was sure of help, but we were indeed straitened. When I came to Kingsdown, I felt that I needed more exercise, being very cold, wherefore I went not the nearest way home, but round by Clarence Place. About 20 yards from my house, I met a brother who walked back with me, and after a little conversation, gave me 10 pounds to be handed over to the brethren, the deacons, towards providing the poor saints with coals, blankets, and warm clothing. Also five pounds for the orphans and five pounds for the other objects of the scriptural knowledge institution. The brother had called twice while I was gone to the orphan houses and had I now been one half minute later, I should have missed him. But the Lord knew our need and therefore allowed me to meet him. I sent off the five pounds immediately to the matrons. All right, our next point is
0: beyond disappointment. Would you? <clears throat> beyond
2: disappointment, the last. Disappointment, September the 21st. 1840, Monday. By what was in hand for the orphans, and by what had come in yesterday, the need of today is more than supplied, as there is enough for tomorrow also. Today, a brother from the neighbourhood of London gave me £10 to be laid out as it might be most needed. As we have been praying many days for the school, Bible, and missionary funds, I took it all for them. This brother knew nothing about our work when he came three days since to Bristol. Thus the Lord, to show his continued care over us, raises up new helpers. They that trust in the Lord shall never be confounded. Some who helped for a while may fall asleep in Jesus. Others may grow cold in the service of the Lord. Others may be as desirous as ever to help, but have no longer the means. Others may have both a willing heart to help, and have also the means, but may see it the Lord's will to lay them out in another way. And thus, from one cause or another, were we to lean upon man, we should surely be confounded. But in leaning upon the living God alone, we are beyond disappointment, and beyond being forsaken because of death, or want of means, or want of love, or because of the claims of other work. How precious to have learned in any measure to stand with God alone in the world and yet to be happy and to know that surely no good thing shall be withheld from us whilst we walk uprightly.
0: Our next one is called The Great Sinner
2: Converted. Of the year 1841, Mr. Muller writes. During this year, I was informed about the conversion of one of the very greatest sins that I ever heard of in all my service for the Lord. Repeatedly, I fell on my knees with his wife and asked the Lord for his conversion when she came to me in the deepest distress of soul on account of the most barbarous and cruel treatment that she received from him in his bitter enmity against her for. The Lord's sake, and because he could not provoke her to be in a passion, and she would not strike him again, and the like. At the time when it was at its worst, I pleaded especially on his behalf the promise in Matthew 18, verse 19 Again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. And now, this awful persecutor is converted.
0: Our next one is uh, trust in the Lord better than
2: man's promises. Trust in the Lord better than man's promises. May the sixth, eighteen. About six weeks ago, intimation was kindly given by a brother that he expected a certain considerable sum of money, and that, if he obtained it, a certain portion of it should be given to the Lord, so that one hundred pounds of it should be used for the work in my hands, and the other part for Brother Craig's and my own personal expenses. However, day after day passed away, and the money did not come. I did not trust in this money. Yet, as during all this time, with scarcely any exception, we were more or less needy, I thought again and again about this brother's promise. Though I did not, by the grace of God, trust in the brother who had made it, but in the Lord. Thus, week after week passed by, and the money did not come. Now this morning it came to my mind that such promises ought to be valued, in a certain sense, as nothing, is that the mind ought never for a moment to be directed to them not to the living god and to the living god only i saw that such promises ought not to be of the value of one farthing, so far as it regards thinking about them for help i therefore asked the lord when as usual i was praying with my beloved wife about the work in my hands that he would be pleased to take this whole matter about that promise completely out of my mind and to help me not to value it in the least yea to treat it as if not worth one farthing, but to keep my eye directed only to himself i was enabled to do so we had not yet finished praying when i received the following letter dated may the 5th 1845 beloved brother are your bankers still messrs stocky and co of bristol and are their bankers still messrs robarts and co of london Please to instruct me on this, and if the case should be so, please to regard this as a letter of advice that 70 pounds are paid to Messrs. Robarts & Co. for Messrs. Stocky & Co. for you. This sum apply as your Lord may give you wisdom. I shall not send to Robarts & Co. until I hear from you, ever affectionately yours. Thus the Lord rewarded at once this determination to endeavour not to look in the least to that promise from a brother, but only to himself. But this was not all. About two o'clock this afternoon, I received from the brother who had more than 40 days ago made that promise, 166 pounds and 18 shillings, as he this day received the money on the strength of which he'd made that promise. Of this sum, 100 pounds are to be used for the work in their hands and the remainder for brother Craig's and my own personal expenses on the date 1842, Mr Muller writes I desire that all the children of God who may read these details may thereby be led to increased and more simple confidence in God for everything which they may need, under any circumstances, and that these many answers to prayer may encourage them to pray, particularly as it regards the conversion of their friends and relatives, their own progress in grace and knowledge. The state of the saints whom they may know personally, the state of the Church of God at large, and the success of the preaching of the gospel. Especially, I affectionately warn them against being led away by the device of Satan to think that these things are peculiar to me and cannot be enjoyed by all the children of God. For though, as has been stated before, every believer is not called upon to establish orphan houses, charity schools, etc., and trust in the Lord for means, yet all believers are called upon, in the simple confidence of faith, to cast all their burdens upon him, to trust in him for everything, and not only to make everything a subject of prayer, but to expect answers to their petitions which they have asked according to his will, and in the name of the Lord Jesus. Think not, dear reader, that I have the gift of faith, that is that gift of which we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse nine, and which is mentioned along with the gifts of healing, the working of miracles, prophecy, and that on that account I'm able to trust in the Lord. It is true that the faith which I'm enabled to exercise is altogether God's own gift. It is true that he alone supports it, and that he alone can increase it. It is true that moment by moment I depend upon him for it, and that if I were only one moment left to myself, my faith would utterly fail. But it is not true that my faith is that gift of faith which is spoken of in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 9, for the following reasons. 1. The faith which I am unable to exercise with reference to the orphan houses and my own temporal necessities is not that faith of which it is said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 2, evidently in allusion to the faith spoken of in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9. Though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity or love, I am nothing but it is the self-same faith which is found in every believer and the growth of which I'm most sensible of to myself, for, little by little, it has been increasing for the last 69 years. 2. This faith, which is exercised respecting the orphan houses and my own temporal necessities, shows itself in the same measure, for instance, concerning the following points. I have never been permitted to doubt, during the last 69 years, that my sins are forgiven, that I am a child of God, that I am beloved of God, and that I shall be finally saved, because I am enabled by the grace of God to exercise faith upon the word of God and believe what God says in those passages which settle these matters. 1 John 5, verse 1. Galatians 3, verse 26. Acts chapter 10 verse 43, Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10, John chapter 3 verse 16, etc. Further, when sometimes all has been dark, exceedingly dark, with reference to my service among the saints, judging from natural appearances, yea, when I should have been overwhelmed indeed in grief and despair, had I looked at things after the outward appearance, At such times I have sought to encourage myself in God by laying hold in faith on his mighty power, his unchangeable love and his infinite wisdom. And I have said to myself, God is able and willing to deliver me, if it be good for me. For it is written, He that spared not his own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Romans chapter 8 verse 32 this this it was which being believed by me through grace kept my soul in peace further when in connection with the orphan houses day schools etc trials have come upon me which were far heavier than the want of means when lying reports were spread that the orphans had not enough to eat or that they were cruelly treated in other respects and the like or when other trials, still greater but which I cannot mention, have befallen me in connection with this work, and that at a time when I was nearly a thousand miles absent from Bristol and had to remain absent week after week. At such times my soul was stayed upon God. I believed his word of promise which was applicable to such cases. I poured out my soul before God and arose from my knees in peace, because the trouble that was in the soul was in believing prayer cast upon God and thus I was kept in peace though I saw it to be the will of God to remain far away from the work further when I needed houses fellow labourers masters and mistresses for the orphans or for the day schools I have been enabled to look for all to the Lord and trust in him for help dear reader I may seem to boast but by the grace of God I do not boast in thus speaking. For my inmost soul I do ascribe it to God alone that he has enabled me to trust in him, and that hitherto he has not suffered my confidence in him to fail. But I thought it needful to make these remarks, lest anyone should think that my depending upon God was a particular gift given to me, which other saints have no right to look for, or lest it should be thought that this, my depending upon him, Had only to do with the obtaining of money by prayer and faith. By the grace of God I desire that my faith in God should extend towards everything, the smallest of my own temporal and spiritual concerns, and the smallest of the temporal and spiritual concerns of my family, towards the saints among whom I labour, the church at large, everything that has to do with the temporal and spiritual prosperity of the spiritual knowledge institution, etc., Dear reader, do not think that I have attained in faith, and how much less in other respects, to that degree to which I might and ought to attain. But thank God for the faith which he has given me, and ask him to uphold and increase it. And lastly, once more, let not Satan deceive you in making you think that you could not have the same faith, but that it is only for persons who are situated as I am. When I lose such a thing as a key, I ask the Lord to direct me to it, and I look for an answer to my prayer. When a person with whom I have made an appointment does not come according to the fixed time, and I begin to be inconvenienced by it, I ask the Lord to be pleased to hasten him to me, and I look for an answer. When I do not understand a passage of the word of God, I lift up my heart to the Lord, that he would be pleased by his Holy Spirit to instruct me, and I expect to be taught, though I do not fix the time when and the manner how it should be. When I am going to minister in the Word, I seek help from the Lord, and while I, in the consciousness of natural inability, as well as utter unworthiness, begin with his service, I am not cast down, but of good cheer, because I look for his assistance and believe that he for his dear son's sake will help me, and thus in other of my temporal and spiritual concerns I pray to the Lord and expect an answer to my requests, and may not you do the same, dear beloved reader. Oh, I beseech you, do not think me an extraordinary believer, having privileges above other of God's dear children which they cannot have nor look on my way of acting as something that would not do for other believers. Make but trial. Do but stand still in the hour of trial, and you will see the help of God if you trust in him. But there is so often a forsaking the ways of the Lord in the hour of trial, and thus the food of faith, the means whereby our faith may be increased, is lost. This leads me to the following important point. You ask, how may I, a true believer, have my faith strengthened? The answer is this one. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. James chapter one verse seventeen As the increase of faith is a good gift, it must come from God, and therefore he ought to be asked for Blessing. 2. The following means, however, ought to be used. 1. The careful reading of the Word of God combined with meditation on it. Through reading of the Word of God, and especially through meditation on the Word of God, the believer becomes more and more acquainted with the nature and character of God, and thus sees more and more, besides His holiness and justice, what a kind, loving, Gracious, merciful, mighty, wise, and faithful being he is, and therefore, in poverty, affliction of body, bereavement in his family, difficulty in his service, want of a situation or employment, he will repose upon the ability of God to help him, because he has not only learned from his word that he is of almighty power and infinite wisdom but he has also seen instance upon instance in the Holy Scriptures, in which his almighty power and infinite wisdom have been actually exercised in helping and delivering his people. And he will repose upon the willingness of God to help him, because he has not only learned from the Scriptures what a kind, good, merciful, gracious and faithful being God is, but because he has also seen in the Word of God how In a great variety of instances, he has proved himself to be so. And the consideration of this, if God has first become known to us through prayer and meditation on his own word, will lead us, in general at least, with a measure of confidence to rely upon him. And thus, the reading of the word of God, together with meditation on it, will be one especial means to strengthen our faith. as with reference to the growth of every grace of the Spirit, it is of the utmost importance that we seek to maintain an upright heart and a good conscience, and therefore do not knowingly and habitually indulge in those things which are contrary to the mind of God. So it is also particularly the case with reference to the growth in faith. How can I possibly continue to act faith upon God concerning anything, if I am habitually grieving, and seek to detract from the glory and honour of him in whom I profess to trust, upon whom I profess to depend, all my confidence towards God, all my leaning upon him in the hour of trial, will be gone if I have a guilty conscience, and do not seek to put away this guilty conscience, but still continue to do the things which are contrary to the mind of God. And if in any particular instance I cannot trust in God because of the guilty conscience, then my faith is weakened by that instance of distrust. For faith with every fresh trial of it either increases by trusting God and thus getting help, or it decreases by not trusting Him. And then there is less and less power of looking simply and directly to Him, and the habit of self-dependence is begotten or encouraged. One or the other of these will always be the case in each particular instance. Either we trust in God, and in that case we neither trust in ourselves, nor in our fellow men, nor in circumstances, nor in anything besides. Or we do trust in one or more of these, and in that case do not trust in God. 3. If we indeed desire our faith to be strengthened, We should not shrink from opportunities where our faith may be tried, and therefore through the trial be strengthened. In our natural state, we dislike dealing with God alone. Through our natural alienation from God, we shrink from Him and from eternal realities. This cleaves to us more or less even after our regeneration. Hence it is that more or less, even as believers, we have the same shrinking from standing from depending upon him alone, from looking to him alone. And yet this is the very position in which we ought to be if we wish our faith to be strengthened. The more I am in a position to be tried in faith with reference to my body, my family, my service for the Lord, my business, etc., the more shall I have opportunity of seeing God's help and deliverance, and every fresh instance in which he helps and delivers me will tend towards the increase of in my faith. On this account, therefore, the believer should not shrink from situations, positions, circumstances in which his faith may be tried, but should cheerfully embrace them as opportunities where he may see the hand of God stretched out on his behalf to help and deliver, and whereby he may thus have his faith strengthened. For The last important point for the strengthening of our faith is that we let God work for us when the hour of the trial of our faith comes, and do not work a deliverance of our own. Wherever God has given faith, it is given, among other reasons, for the very purpose of being tried. Yea, however weak our faith may be, God will try it, only with this restriction, that as in every way he leads us gently gradually and patiently, so also with reference to the trial of our faith. At first our faith will be tried very little in comparison with what it may be afterwards, for God never lays more upon us than he is willing to enable us to bear. Now when the trial of faith comes, we are naturally inclined to distrust God and to trust rather in ourselves or in our friends or in circumstances we will rather work a deliverance of our own, somehow or other, and simply look to God and wait for his help. But if we do not patiently wait for God's help, if we work a deliverance of our own, then at the next trial of our faith, it will be thus again. We shall be again inclined to deliver ourselves. And thus, with every fresh instance of that kind, our faith will decrease, whilst on the contrary, we'll be to stand still, in order to see the salvation of God, to see his hand stretched out on our behalf, trusting in him alone, then our faith would be increased. And with every fresh case in which the hand of God is stretched out on our behalf, in the hour of the trial of our faith, our faith would be increased yet more. Would the believer therefore have his faith strengthened? He must especially give time to God tries his faith in order to prove to his child in the end how willing he is to help and deliver him the moment it is good for him. In the early years of the institution, Mr. Muller and his fellow labourers had to endure many severe trials of faith, as some of these instances show. Mr. Muller, when writing of this period, says, although now, July 1845, for about seven years our funds have been so exhausted that it has been a rare case that there have been means in hand to meet the necessities of more than a hundred persons for three days together yet i have been only once tried in spirit and that was on september the 18th 1838 when for the first time the lord seemed not to regard our prayer but when he did send help at that time And I saw that it was only for the trial of our faith, and not because he had forsaken the work, that we were brought so low. My soul was so strengthened and encouraged that I have not only not been allowed to distrust the Lord, but I have not been even cast down when in the deepest poverty since that time.
0: That was George Miller. We have one more. It's only a couple of minutes. This next one. Actually, six minutes on this. Please hang in there. Beginning early days of the orphan
2: work by George Miller. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse 7. Mr. George Muller, the founder of the New Orphan Houses, Ashley Down, Bristol, institutions that have been for many years the greatest monuments of modern times to a prayer answering God, gives in that most valuable and instructive book, a narrative of some of the Lord's dealings with George Muller, Volume One, among other reasons for establishing an orphan house, the following. Sometimes I found children of God tried in mind by the prospect of old age when they might be unable to work any and therefore were harassed by the fear of having to go into the poorhouse. If in such a case I pointed out to them how their Heavenly Father has always helped those who put their trust in Him, they might not perhaps always say that times have changed, but yet it was evident enough that God was not looked upon by them as the Living God. My spirit was oft times bowed down by this, and I longed to set something before the children of God whereby they might see that he does not forsake, even in our day, those who rely upon him. Another class of persons were brethren in business, who suffered in their souls and brought guilt on their consciences by carrying on their business almost in the same way as unconverted persons do. The competition in trade, bad times, the overpeopled country, were given as reasons why, if the business were carried on simply according to the word of God, it could not be expected to do well. Such a brother perhaps would express the wish that he might be differently situated, but very rarely did I see that there was a stand made for God, that there was the holy determination to trust in the living God and to depend on him in order that a good conscience might be maintained. To this class, likewise, I desired to show by a visible proof that God is unchangeably the same. Then there was another class of persons, individuals who were in professions in which they could not continue with a good conscience, or persons who were in an unscriptural position with reference to spiritual things. But both classes feared, on account of the consequences, to give up, in which they could not abide with God or to leave their position lest they should be thrown out of employment. My spirit longed to be instrumental in strengthening their faith by giving them not only instances from the word of God of his willingness and ability to help all those who rely upon him but to show them by proofs that he is the same in our day. I well knew that the word of God ought to be enough and it was, by grace, enough to me. But still, I considered that I ought to lend a helping hand to my brethren, if by any means, by this visible proof to the unchangeable faithfulness of the Lord, I might strengthen the hands in God. For I remembered what a great blessing my own soul had received through the Lord's dealings with his servant, A.H. Frank, who, in dependence upon the living God alone, I had seen many times with my own eyes. I, therefore, judged myself bound to be the servant of the Church of God in the particular point on which I had obtained mercy, namely, in being able to take God by His Word and to rely upon it. All these exercises of my soul which resulted from the fact that so many believers with whom I became acquainted were harassed and distressed in mind or brought guilt on their consciences on account of not trusting in the Lord, were used by God to awaken in my heart the desire of setting before the church at large and before the world a proof that he has not in the least changed. And this seemed to me best done by the establishing of an orphan house. It needed to be something which could be seen even by the natural eye. Now if I, a poor man, simply by prayer and faith, obtained, without asking any individual, the means for establishing and carrying on an orphan house, there would be something which, with the Lord's blessing, might be instrumental in strengthening the faith of the children of God, besides being a testimony to the consciences of the unconverted, of the reality of the things of God. This, then, was the primary reason for establishing the orphan house certainly did from my heart a desire to be used by God to benefit the bodies of poor children bereaved of both parents, and seek in other respects with the help of God to do them good for this life. I also particularly longed to be used by God in getting the dear orphans trained up in the fear of God but still the first and primary object of the work was and still is that God might be magnified by the fact that the orphans under my care are provided with all they need, only by prayer and faith, without any one being asked by me or my fellow labourers. Whereby it may be seen that God is faithful still and hears prayer still. That I was not mistaken has been abundantly proved since November 1835, both by the conversion of many sinners who have read the accounts which have been published in connection with this work and also by the abundance of fruit that has followed in the hearts of the saints, for which from my inmost soul I desire to be grateful to God, and the honour and glory of which not only is due to him alone, but which I, by his help, am enabled to ascribe to him.
0: Okay, we're going to go ahead and stop right there. Pretty good. All right. God bless you. Stay excited. Keep your goals and your gratitude list up on high. God loves to fulfill our petitions. Amen. Good, good. Give me a synopsis and what have been up to, man? Um,
3: well, let me see. What have we been up to? Well, oh, looking for a job. Making my uh, resume, uh, buying furniture, moving, moving uh, in and out of places.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, oh,
3: oh, oh, that you
0: laugh. Yeah, I love that laugh, man. You'll get it. Just no, keep, keep swinging at them. Keep swinging at them, and go for the uh, uh, okay top jobs too. Don't forget top careers. Maybe learn a new career. Well,
3: yeah, I could do that.
0: Yeah, you're still you're, you're smart enough. You can do. It may interest you too, a new career. You know, because we alcoholics get bored quick with two, three years with a job. We, we're uh, out of here real
3: quick. Oh, I thought it was just me.
0: <laughs> I once worked <laughs> for sixteen firms in one year, then eight years, then three, three, three firms. You know, I quit so many jobs.
3: Yeah, uh, that seems to be my problem too. But I don't know. Uh, well, let get out of here.
0: Yeah, that's why a career may do you good, you know, something that you uh maybe they'll they'll pay and you still have some resources, they'll pay you like a grant or something to learn something that you'll be of service to the people. Um,
3: right. right. Right right. You know. Well that would be that would be ideal. Um I'm having a little issue though. And um my issue is I don't want to stay sober. That's my issue.
0: Mm okay. okay.
3: I figured out that that's, that must be what it is because I have all the tools and um,
0: all the experience But
3: yeah but I can't oops I, oops, I just hit a curb <laughs> Um. no I um, I have all the experience no no wait what was I saying I don't know that I want to you know what I mean I feel that I want to but but then not again I don't you know what I mean well, yeah. I don't know how I don't know how to explain it. I'm not. I'm not. But I haven't hit my bottom. I want you. And
0: I. would like to ask you to do two, two things. I want you to 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 laugh laugh more, and, and say, "I thank you, God." I don't want to, and laugh. Right? That's that's that is, um, at least that way. You're courageous in God's sight. You're, you have you got guts. You're you're being honest with Him. And uh but I don't. You know.
3: I'm a coward.
0: Well, you know, I'm a coward. Well, if it, but then acknowledging is is uh being honest, right? And that's I think you gotta. I don't want to do it and laugh at your problem. <laughs> I'm getting much, I'm more into this junk. <laughs> you know, and actually, laugh? <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. I want you to laugh at I, this because. Whatever's going to work is going to be a new idea, uh, different against the grain in our thinking. Okay. But I'm
3: not. But for now, that's not that's not the issue. My issue is, I, I I don't know I don't know why I can't stay stopped. I don't know why. Uh, because I can stop and I stop and I feel better and then I go to the meetings and I feel better and but no I don't. I go to the meetings and I don't feel better. That's a lie.
0: Well. Um, well, just do those two things, okay? Laugh and thank okay. and thank God. You know, you mess up. You know, just thank Him. Okay. That you, you know, you know, and uh, you, you'll be surprised how, uh, in laughing, the good spirit goes inside your soul and strengthens you. You know, so it's it's a it's a it's a secret. Don't tell no one. <laughs> All right. I, I've been studying right. this for years, and God has been telling me for years to to laugh more at my and my capers
3: okay
0: and another I been, thing i have been laughing
3: more though
0: i have been laughing more so yeah yeah it, it, you know and then at the same time act like you're fine and, and go go get those service uh positions that you may learn a new trade that delivers food to people if you start working with hurting people you you'll probably pick up like a sale you know you'll you'll get your right wings if you if you get a career that serves people, that feeds people or takes care of people or even as a counselor for uh, for the county, you know, helping uh, battered women or things like that, jobs like that, um, you'll be great at it. You'll probably take advantage of a few of them, but that's okay. You'll still have a good career. Oh, no. how oh, now? How
3: now? You don't want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but those those don't pay that much. Yeah. No, they don't. Well, okay, I'll, I'll look into it. I'll look into it. Yeah, look at uh, it. In- if I remember. If <laughs> I remember, because I, I have a good forgetter.
0: I have a really good forgetter. Yeah, all right. Well, God God will bring it to you again, and then you'll remember me. You'll, you'll remember the laughing guy in Glendora, okay? <laughs> all right, for all, sure. All right, thanks for checking in.
3: Hey, say hi, um, say hi to Rudy for me.
0: I certainly will. He's going to come on Thursday. We'll we'll, we'll we'll give you a call. All right. Yeah, please do. All right, brother. God bless you. bye. Right. Thank you. You're welcome, Bye-bye. Frank. Bye, Frank. Welcome to today's reading. We're going to be reading a story from Victory Magazine by Gloria Copeland. It says right here, I'm all for praying for, for the full outpouring of God's glory that's been promised to us as the church in these last days. But unlike a lot of people, I don't think we're just waiting on God to give it to us. I believe He's waiting on us to position ourselves to receive it. He's waiting on us to set aside carnal weights and sins so that there be room in our lives for some of Him. He's waiting on it to separate ourselves more from the ungodly ways of this fallen world and walk in the high and holy places of the Spirit with Him. The Lord said to me years ago, holiness is the final frontier. Our separation ourselves completely unto God is the next step and the only step between where we are now and the greatest manifestation of glory this earth has ever seen. God isn't holding it back from us. He is as ready to take us into it as he was to take the Israelites into the promised land. And he's saying to us much the same thing. He said to them, Sanctify yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonderful wonders among you. Joshua 3, 5. The difference is God isn't promising us He'll do wonders tomorrow. Under the new covenant, His wonders and His call for us to sanctify ourselves unto Him are always for today. As the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Be you not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? Wherefore, come out from among them, and be you separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean things, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my son and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Having, therefore, these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God, 2 Corinthians. Some Christians seem to think it doesn't matter where, whether we walk in holiness or not, but according to these verses, it does. Separating ourselves from worthiness and living in obedience to God's position of To receive the fulfillment of his promise to us it opens the door for him to be the father to us that he desires to be God is a good good father one of his names in Hebrews is El Shaddai which means the all-sufficient one that's what God wants to be for us he wants to be everything we need and take care of us completely to treat us as his sons and daughters to move us in our lives and change things to reveal to us and through us how wonderful and powerful and loving a father he really is god's plan is to make us vessels of his glory for all the world to see but for that plan to cause to come to pass we must cooperate with him we must cast off the works of darkness and walk in the light of what the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 4. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you received from us how you caught to walk and to please God. For you know the commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification that you should obtain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion or lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but to holiness in Jesus' name. Holy, holy, holy be it unto us according to thy word, Lord. Amen. The, the
4: 365
0: Bible will help you what? Do what? It help me to. I
4: just. It, it was enough feeding for the day that would allow me to. To get the revelation that I was hearing before like I would listen to Joseph Prince great sermon then I'd go to the word and see it it would just connected all the dots Do you have a lot of dots to connect here on me? yeah I saw things differently and it was it was um, I just saw things differently from Christ's perspective because I also listen when I listened to Bill Johnson and Chris Vallotton same thing. It's everything kind of like if you hear it. This is really good. when you hear the word, and then it's okay. The scripture says in Romans ten, faith comes by hearing, and hearing from the word of God. Okay. So the hearing is I'm hearing my sermons with my, my the favorite pastors, or I have the word of God in front of me on the YouTube. I'm listening. Something I've got. I've got it. I'm hearing it constantly, whether I'm going to sleep, waking up. But the second part of that says hearing by the word of God so when you read the word of God you're also, God is speaking to you and you're hearing so everybody thinks that you just keep on hearing and hearing and hearing, you must put the, the, the words in front of you and hear God that way that, that was a huge huge revelation for me that I have been hearing in this last couple months
0: reading the word
4: yes looking at it, letting God speak to you through the word, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's it's a blessing, you know, um, the one I was telling you about was Mark chapter, Mark chapter 8, mm-hmm. yeah, where Jesus is taking them to the, in the boat, and they're going to the other side, and they're all concerned, we don't have any bread,
0: oh yeah, Just give me a sermon,
4: yeah, and so then Jesus You know, they had just got done feeding the 4,000. Prior to that, they saw him feeding the 5,000. And the way it took place and how miraculously it was done. And then now they're worried about being in the boat with no bread. So he's he's getting them on that. He's just like, do you guys not see with your eyes? Can your ears not hear? Is your heart, your heart hardened, right? Don't you remember that's the one part of the scripture I keep it keeps hammering don't you remember you know that when he fed the you know 4000 and the 5000 you know so the point is sometimes we don't always have God's perspective when we see in in the natural realm there's a spiritual realm where where things are happening that you can't see yet and sometimes you you don't maybe you're hearing the word of God but you're not believing it in that season in your life okay and then at times in in certain trials takes you through situations your heart can get hard and not believe what you know is truth so then so the point being is don't you remember we have to will ourselves to remember we can always remember and and God sometimes causes you to remember you know, whether, you know, you might be driving through that little area and you get a little remembrance thought of what God did for, for you and that, you know, as you're driving. Or you just remember, you know, how you were going through a financial um, setback and how God miraculously came through for you. So the point is you got to go back to the times when he's done something for you and see see better that way you know get your get your perspective of heaven back and um, so that that's kind of like what I remember from that teaching but you know after hearing it then I went back to read it and I was like I get it you know what I mean it just makes sense and it and, it, and, it, and then if I apply it you know if I apply it to my problem or situation then I go okay well, wait a minute. He brought me through before. Why not? Why wouldn't he bring me through this time? Right? Yeah. So um, I think that's when we fail to see where he's brought you through in those times of, in those times of, you know, you're feeling down about something. You know, it doesn't look like it's going to go your way. Um, you start to stress on it. You start to worry about it. And then you go back and say, "Well, wait." hold on a second I've been here before the Lord brought me through it he brought me through it bigger than I thought he was going to bring me through it and and then you're like yeah he's going to do it again it just builds up your faith but the 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 one scripture that was good is that um uh, where's the scripture Lord um Oh, in Psalm 119, 111, it says, The testimony of Jesus Christ is my inheritance. So, you know, all the things that Jesus did in the Word as He went about healing all who were oppressed by the devil, as He went about healing all that were sick, as He went about teaching all the wisdom, um, the times he, He pushed the storm back, you know, the times he, he raised people from the dead, all those moments that are captured in the scripture, that belongs to me as, as my inheritance because I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that, that is mine, I, I, he left me that. And um, so there's power in testimony and there's power in remembering, you know, how Jesus has brought you through. But we have to remember like sometimes what happens is you go through a crisis and you get through it and he brings you through beautifully, more than you could ever imagine. Maybe he eliminates $2,400, $200,400 right off of your mortgage when it was upside down. You know, And it's your fault it's upside down, not his. So he eliminates that and he does it suddenly. And so he eliminates it off your mortgage. You know he causes the, the bank to do that, and then another five years later, he's still working on that for you. He's taking the you know another five thousand off without you even asking for it. You know so so anyway um, that happens. He brought me through, or he brought you know he'll bring you through, and then guess what? right after that maybe another financial crisis comes in two or three years you know where you just can't see light at the end of the tunnel because you have this bill and that bill and you're using the credit card so much that you you know you're going through it again and so what I learned was that's that's what I needed to do in that season, if I would have remembered how he brought me through the modification of a loan suddenly, then he was also going to bring the resources and the finances to help eliminate this credit card debt. So, the point is, the more I go back and remember what Christ did for me, I can stand firmer on the rock. But if I don't remember then I'm a house of sand because I start to crumble, you know, not knowing who my God is or not knowing the how powerful he is and how he moves heaven and earth for you with a, with just believing and trusting. And that's what I learned these past couple months. Would
0: you read me a
4: scripture? You want me to read you a scripture? Which one do you want? Well, Mark gonna, chapter 8? Well, you're, you're talking about. It. Mark chapter 8, Okay. Um. Uh, well, Joseph and Bill Johnson. Yes, they are. Oh, Chris Palatone is also another one that I appreciate. This is fun. Which is fun. But one of the things, you know, we Faith come, for me, I have to—I to feel God speaking to me, saying, "Okay, you hear a lot, Anna, but now there's more. I'm going to talk to you some more, looking at my Word. I can speak to you through there, and I come alive. He comes alive in the Word. Even if you just, you know, because I always work on looking up the Scriptures and everything, but and then meditating a little bit on on what they mean. It's—it's it's wow! It's wow. Um." Let's see if I pull Mark chapter 8. Okay, let's see. Open. Okay, it says... uh, Okay, so this is in Mark... I'll start at Mark chapter 8, verse 14. It says, Jesus warns of the yeast of the Pharisees and Herod. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread with them, except for one loaf of flatbread. And as they were sailing across the lake, Jesus repeatedly warned them, Be on your guard against the yeast. Inside of the Pharisees and the yeast inside of Herod. But but the disciples had no clue what Jesus was talking about. So they began to discuss it among themselves. Is he saying this because we forgot to bring bread? N- knowing what they were thinking jesus said to them here's the mead 17 8 17 why all this fussing over forgetting to bring the bread do you still not see or understand what i say to you are your hearts still hard you have good eyes yet you still don't see and you have good ears yet you still don't hear neither do you remember when I uh, when I multiplied the bread to feed more than five thousand people, how many baskets full of leftovers did you gather afterwards? Twelve, they replied. And when I multiplied food to feed over four thousand, how many large baskets full of leftovers did you gather afterwards? Seven, they replied. Then, how is it that you still don't get it? Isn't that cool? Uh-huh. Jesus, how is it you don't get this? <laughs> I mean, he. First of all, he knew what they were thinking, right? They were so worried about the bread or whatever, but they just saw him do all these great things. But at the beginning, it's kind of interesting when he says, "Be careful about the bread," you know, the yeast in the bread of the Pharisees and Herod, okay, uh, which represents the the religious, the 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 religious uh, uh, whatever. For that, for that day. Well, in the, in general, the religious. Even now, even for now, be careful about the religious, uh, I don't call it, spirit, political form, whatever you want to call it. Herod represents political, the other one represents religion. So be careful that that doesn't get in your belief system because they're not correct. It's the worldview, in other words. It's the way that the world views things. And it's actually kind of what we're going through right now, all these politics and then even the religion how you know people use their religion versus the relationship with Jesus to um, to impact your thinking, to influence your thinking about the Word of God and the truth.
0: Amen. Does that make sense? Thank you, everyone. Go ahead. Let's pray. Pray out. Pray, pray for the people.
4: Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you, um, Father God. We thank you for this wonderful Word, and we just pray that many will hear it and receive it and that they would be influenced by uh, your realm in the kingdom Lord and the marvelous uh, actions and the marvelous testimonies that are in your word Lord that they would receive and chew on the scripture in Mark chapter 8 starting at 14 to 17 Lord and we thank you Lord that these are a lot these these things that you've done in the Word, Lord, are alive for us today. They belong to us, and they're part of our inheritance, Lord. So, Father, we just we just bless the people. We just thank you that they're tuning in, and we thank you that you uh, you, you want to do according to Ephesians, where it says that um, that the eyes of their uh, the eyes would be enlightened, and that they would be given understanding and the revelation of who Jesus is, Lord. So, um, today's a great day, and we thank you, Father, for this wonderful breath of fresh air that's before us, Lord, into this next season, Lord. Um, Teach us some more, Lord, and open our eyes and our ears to hear clearly. And, Father, we just love you, and we just praise you, and we believe, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
5: You sent your one, and you, sent your one. You sent your wife.
6: to <laughs> heal
5: central world. This one. You sent your one, you are the Lord,
7: my Lord, he
5: sent his one.
6: He left me.
5: Send your word. You, you sent your word. i you, sent your word. Wow. Send your word. You sent your one. You your Wow. Send your your you sent your one. You sent your one. Wow. You sent your one. You sent your one.
8: You
5: sent your wife. Wow. you sent your mind,
0: Welcome to today's podcast, June 29th, Faith to Faith, by Gloria Copeland. Be willing. The scripture for today is Isaiah 119. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Isaiah 119. A healthy body, enough money to pay all your bills, and extra to invest in the work of the gospel. A godly marriage and happy, healthy children. Peace of mind, God has prepared a banquet full of blessings for you. But those blessings are not just going to fall in your lap. You must be willing as well as obedient if you're going to eat the best from God's table. So be willing. Don't be willing for Satan to put sickness on your body. Be willing instead to be well and honored in Jesus' sacrifice at Calvary. Refuse to accept anything less than divine help. Don't be willing to live in lack, but be willing instead to live in divine prosperity and abundance. Refuse to allow Satan to stop the flow of God's financial blessings to you. Be willing to receive God's best plan for your marriage and your children. Don't settle for the norms of the world. Live above them in a home full of love and harmony. A home that is what God meant it to be. Don't allow Satan to substitute anxiety and ulcers for the peace and undisturbedness that Jesus bought for you. Be willing and obedient to cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. Refuse to be robbed of the banquet of blessings that has belonged to you since you become a believer. Be willing to eat the good of the land. Amen. The word of the Lord. Now, let's do the same thing in Spanish, please. Thank you. I love it. I love it. I love this kind of stuff. Beautiful. Esté dispuesto por Gloria Copeland. Gracias por venir y poner a, ser atento a la palabra de Dios. Empezamos con Isaías 1, 19. Hay que querer y oyer... Si oyemos y creemos, comemos bien de la tierra. Isaías 19, algo así. <risa> un cuerpo sano, suficiente dinero para pagar las deudas. Dinero extra para invitar, invertir a la obra del evangelio. Un matrimonio feliz un, y pidiadoso con niños sanos. Paz mental, Dios ha preparado un banquete lleno de bendiciones para usted. Pero estas bendiciones no van a caer en su regazo automáticamente. Usted debe estar dispuesto a ser obediente si quiere comer de lo mejor de la mesa de Dios. Así que esté dispuesto. No permita que Satanás ponga enfermedad en su cuerpo. Despóngase en camino. En cambio a estar bien, dispóngase en cambio a estar bien, a estar en honor al sacrificio de Jesús en el Calvario, no acepte menos que salud divina. No acepte vivir en escasez, sino en prosperidad y abundancia divina. No le permita a Satanás detener el De tener las bendiciones económicas es de Dios para su vida. Determinense a recibir el mejor plan de Dios para su matrimonio y sus hijos no acepte las normas del mundo. Viva por encima de ella en un hogar lleno de amor, armonía. Un hogar como Dios quiso que fuera no le permite a Satanás reemplazar con preocupación y úlceras la paz y la tranquilidad de jesús compró para usted propóngase a echar toda su ansiedad sobre dios porque él tiene cuidado de usted no deje que le roben el banquete de bendiciones que le pertenece desde que se hizo creyente esté dispuesto a comer el bien de la tierra Gracias por escuchar. Reading from Answers to Praise, page 195 to 206. The first letter is called, Deserted to Sweden. You don't know who I am, but that doesn't make any difference. We are both children of God, and that is all that matters. I am in an army stockade at Fort Riley. I am in prison because I deserted my unit in Germany and then put myself in exile in Sweden for two years. This is the first time I have been back in the U.S. in four years. The reason I am writing is that I have just finished reading Prison to Praise. I want to tell you how much I enjoyed it and how much it has helped me. I can see that God has shown his wisdom through you and that you have used Christ in the way he wants to be used to help others. Six years ago when I was 17, my mother and father were converted. I saw God working a miracle in them so I accepted Jesus as my savior but then I slid back into my old ways. Shortly after this, I went into the army and God turned on onto drugs that started four long years of sorrow for me and my family. Soon after turning on drugs, I became a typical flower child with a typical flower child ideas and perceptions. I decided the army was wrong and to make my new freedom known to the brass, I split to Sweden. Once in Sweden, it was more drugs and faster living. But you know what? God was there all the time, gently pulling me home. It took four years for me to finally say, Okay, Lord, I am yours. Do with me as you see fit. I have never been so happy. God has revealed great things to me in just this one week. I am awaiting a whole lifetime of being in Jesus and Jesus in me. Praise God, it is wonderful that Jesus loves us. I now commit my whole life to him, and I praise his wonderful name. Christ has taught me through you to trust him completely. I have no fear in me now. I know I am safe, praise God. I am grateful for your book, and would very much like to meet you personally if we don't meet in this life. Then I'll see you in heaven. Pastor Marilyn Carrados responds and says, When young Christians stray away from God, parents have every right to believe that God will draw them back. Our praise and faith releases His power. Again, praising Him and having faith releases His power. He uses us to win others to Christ. He uses our faith and praise to draw them back to Him. Thousands of young people have returned to their faith in Christ after reading Prison to Praise. That stimulates my faith to keep trusting and praising God. And the scripture is Isaiah 43, verses 5 and 6. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather them from the west. I will say to the north, Give them up and to the south do not hold them back. Isaiah forty three verses five and six NIV. Our next letter is titled Hands Off Steering Wheel. The car was spinning down the highway. My hands moved farther and farther from the steering wheel. This was impossible. It couldn't be happening. I must be dreaming. The harder I try to get a hold of the steering wheel, The Father, my hands move away from it. An irresistible power was forcing my hands towards the sides of the automobile. I have never felt that power of God before. I didn't believe such a power existed. These words were poured from a teenage boy as he recounted to his father his experience of, of two hours before. It really had started a long time ago when he had decided he no longer wanted to have anything to do with his parents' religion. God was for people who didn't have anything to do with their time. He had a lifetime of excitement ahead of him and didn't want the burden of trying to be religious. His parents prayed fervently for him, but nothing seemed to improve. They tried restricting their son when he became too belligerent. Taking away his privileges, they tried more prayer, more generous portions of kindness and love, but nothing did any observable good. Their son became more enamored with staying out late at night, drinking, using false language, and drugs. As his parents realized what was happening to their son, fear gripped their hearts. The son they loved so much was throwing his life away and they felt helpless. To make matters worse, the Father was a Baptist preacher. All of this made it look to others as if there must be some sinister wrong in the preacher's house. I first met the Father one evening at the close of a meeting where I had just spoken. His face was radiant. He glowed with a joy that caused me to think, there's a man who knows the real joy there is in Jesus. He came up to me, half laughing and half saying, Praise the Lord. He was alive. He said, I'm a Baptist minister who had been filled with the Holy Spirit. It happened only two weeks ago, and I haven't touched the ground yet. I could see that he was still intoxicated with the joy of the Spirit of Jesus. Then he told me what had happened. A few days after, he received... The baptism of the Holy Spirit, he had a telephone call from his son's school asking him to come to talk with the principal. He went and received new evidence of his son's need for help. Why hasn't he been coming to school, they asked. I thought he was, the father protested. He has been living, leaving home every morning at school time. No, he hasn't been attending classes, the principal explained. I've just learned that he has been going out into the mountains to a cabin with some other boys and spending their day drinking and smoking pot. You are going to have to do something with him. On the way home, the father felt discouraged, meant draining off the new joy he had received. But then he remembered something. He had read Prison of Praise. He had read about the power there in thanking God for all things. And believing he will work out everything for good if we trust him so he praised God for this new experience and believed that God was blessing his son though he couldn't see it that evening he took his son into the study and said I talked to the principal and he told me that you haven't been doing what you've been doing at first he looked surprised but then a mask of sullenness came over his face he was ready for one more argument and one more lecture about how much he needed to let God have his life to his surprise even to his father's surprise he heard these words son I learned something new that you won't understand yet but I am turning you over to God I'm going to trust him now to to do whatever is best in your life I have done the best I know how to do, and it hasn't worked, so I'm letting God do to you whatever he wants to do. I have a peace about you now, and I am thankful for you exactly as you are. The old man has really flipped his lid now, the boy thought. The father then had to leave to attend a meeting at his church. He was still filled with the joy. Christ was truly bearing all his burdens for him. When he returned two hours later, his son was sitting on the couch, laughing and crying simultaneously. He sat down beside him and asked, What's wrong? Why are you crying and laughing at the same time? When you left, I went out to the car and decided to look up some of my friends for some excitement. As I was driving down the road, a powerful force pulled my hands off the steering wheel. The father's first thought was he's wrecked the car, but then he realized he had seen the car out in front when he came in. When I was terrified that the car was going to wreck, I heard a voice. It said, turn off the engine, turn off the road and stop. I heard the voice, but I couldn't tell where it was coming from. I tried again to reach the steering wheel so I could pull off the road. This time my hands easily reached the wheel and I pulled over and stopped. Your father gave it you to me. Your father gave you to me, the voice spoke to me again. And I knew it was God. But then I thought, it couldn't be God. He doesn't even exist. Now will you repent and ask for my forgiveness, the voice said. Suddenly I realized that a sinner I was. I could feel and see and understand how miserable a person I had become. I started to cry and kept asking God to forgive me. When I had asked for forgiveness for everything I could think of, I felt a kind of a joy filling up inside me. I laughed and cried. I haven't stopped since. And the father told me this story. He had to stop occasionally to say, Praise the Lord. God has done something for him because he has believed God. His joy was full and overflowing. And the scriptures, 1 Peter 4.11, In all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Our next letter is called Day Before Christmas. The day before Christmas, my husband left me and our three children. He left us no food, no presents, no money, nowhere to go. He said he would never be coming back, and I have not seen him since. Perhaps you can imagine the absolute terror that I felt. The only solution that I could think of was for a sudden end to my own life and that of my children. When neighbors heard what had happened, they came to offer their help they couldn't do very much for me since they don't have much themselves but they gave me a copy of your book prison of praise as i read it the fear drained out of me i knew that christ was here with me i have been a christian for a long while but i never knew that god could help me so much when i had problems though i am still alone with my children i have a feeling i never have before it's like, wow, God really does love me, even if no one else in all the world loves me, he does. I know that he is working out my life and my children's. I know there isn't much I could do but trust him, but as I trust him, I'm having so much fun. My husband didn't want me teaching the children about Jesus, but now I am free to teach them anytime. We have so much fun singing and laughing and talking about Jesus. Thank you for writing this book. Marilyn Carotus comments, At times, a parent may be more detrimental to children than good. It is not difficult to see that God sometimes permits a divorce to protect children. They may not understand at that time, but in years to come or in eternity, each one will understand. O Lord, I will honor and praise your name, for you are my God. You do such wonderful things. Isaiah 25:1. O Lord, I will honor and praise your name, for you are my God. You do such wonderful things. Isaiah 25:1. Again, this is easy to memorize. Come on, folks. O Lord, I will honor and praise your name, for you are my God. You do such wonderful things. Isaiah 25, one. Our next letter is called Guard Saved. Greetings in our Lord's wonderful name. I read Prisoner of Praise and was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now good things are happening in this prison ever since. The Spirit is moving among the men. Thirteen men have been saved since... The first of the year plus one guard. Five of these men have received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Two weeks ago, a guard found the Lord. Five of us had returned from a prayer meeting and we went to one of inmate's cell. However, only one inmate is allowed to a cell at a time. We knew that the guards would chase us out shortly, but we wanted to have a prayer before all the cells would be closed. A minute after we got to the cell, a guard did come to chase us out. We all shouted, praise the Lord, and asked him to come in to pray with us. The guard opened his mouth but said nothing. He turned around at a very last rate, almost at a run, left. While we were praying, another guard came to chase us out, but he said, nothing either he also left then a different guard came to chase us out and this time we were through praying he came to the cell door and couldn't say anything either by his own testimony later we said praise the lord and the two men who had been baptized in the holy spirit that evening witnessed to this guard as they told him that the lord has done for them what the lord has done for them and what he meant to them The guard slid down the wall and sat on the floor. He was half in the cell and half out the cell, crying. I asked him if he would like us to pray for him. He said, yes. I asked Joe to pray for him. At first, Joe didn't know what to say. He asked the guard to repeat after him the sinner's prayer of repentance and acceptance of Christ. The guard was saved while sitting on the cell floor. Many men have found the Lord here and their lives have changed. I contacted some Christian bookstores and they sent me some books. So I have started a Christian lending library. I try to be led by the Holy Spirit about what books to loan each man. Could you send me more copies of Prisoner of Praise? We have used all the what we have and could use more. This book has really been a blessing to many men here. Could you also send at least one copy of Power and Praise? Do you have any other books that you could send to our library? The Lord bless you, and I trust you are having a blessed time in the Lord. Marilyn Curators' response Similar letters from all over the United States have encouraged us to form the Foundation of Praise Inc.com. We hope to get copies of Prison of Praise and other books to the thousands of prisoners, hospital patients, servicemen and women, and to the most needy people in the world. This book is also printed in Spanish, and we are working to have it translated in several other languages. As of 2010, Prison of Praise is printed in 56 languages. You can support the Foundation of Praise whenever you desire. Acts 16:29 The jailer fell down before Paul and Silas. He begged them, "Sirs, what must I do to be saved?" The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Welcome, good morning to today's podcast. Let's go ahead and open it, see if we can get the wisdom of and uh, the talents and the joy of God into our little five-minute discussion here. Okay, serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Okay, let's hike. Go along. Let's do the uh, third step prayer. God, I offer myself to you to build with me and to do with me as thou would. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those that would help with thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. Amen. One more. My Creator, seven-step prayer. I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character that stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellow. Grant me the strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. And I was thinking about my own personal prayer. I usually say, Father, I, Uncle, Father, I say, Uncle, I surrender, Lord. I thank you that I'm a misfit. I surrender. Please guide me, instruct me. I say I'm a misfit, so I can clear my, I can get humble right away and receive instruction, um, and talents, and acknowledge that uh, my higher power is everything. It even feels uh, wrong saying it, uh, but to clear the, uh, to clear the channels. Uh, One more, Benjamin Franklin used to say this prayer for uh, genuine counsel and wisdom in inventions. He would say, my creator, no, excuse me, he would say, bountiful father, merciful guide, powerful goodness, dictate to me my truest interest and strengthen my resolution to perform what the spirit dictates. Accept my kind offices to your other children as the only way to pay back for your continual favors to me. Amen. Okay, that's enough in prayers, you probably say. I wanted to uh, point out some scripture here. Today today is the 20th, so I was going to. Proverbs 20 has a lot to say about uh, waiting on God, being expecting, okay? You know, we always have offenses coming our way. And uh, Proverbs twenty twenty two 22 says, uh, in the Amplified Bible, says, Do not say, I will repay evil. Wait expectantly for the Lord, and he will rescue you. I mean, <clears throat> notice that right, say, uh, do not say, do not speak it out loud. We have power in our saying. So, so, so do not quote this. Don't say, I will repay evil. As a matter of fact, we will say, I will pray and bless my enemy and I will wait expectantly for the Lord and what to do for he promises to rescue me. That's the proper response. Um, And then in verse 18 says, purposes and plans are established by counsel. In another place it says, uh, God was mad at the Israelites for not waiting for his counsel. So our purposes and our plans are established by us, waiting on God's counsel, and only with good ava- advice do we carry on. You know, we carry on our wars against uh, poverty, ignorance, apathy. Amen. The heavy stuff this morning, huh? And it's interesting that the Lord has said, "The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made them both." Uh, uh, to be grateful and thankful, thankful Lord, that He can give us ears to hear and eyes to see into the ways of the of the Lord. Okay, and there's a couple of more scriptures. It says right here. If you cease to listen to instruction and ignore it, you will stray away from the words of knowledge. Oh, yeah, we'll keep some words, but straying away from the words of knowledge, and that's what alcohol did to me, uh, competition and and not... I strayed away from the words of knowledge. And what happened? More destruction came. I took more chances. You know, um... I became wayward and crooked in my mind, and I found no good. I became pessimist, and a willful and contrary tongue was my calamity. So what happened was, as soon as I started started thanking God that uh, I was a misfit, uh, God forgave me, and uh, my uh, happy heart came into my heart. And, and good, it was good medicine and cheerful mind work healings. That right there was my saving grace. And that's what I found in Alcoholic Anonymous. Uh, cheerfulness. It's going to be all right. And I was restored. Thank you so much for listening today. Thank you for all the prayers. God bless you. Have a great day. Give them heaven.